Hello and welcome to the podcast. So today I'm speaking to Greg Morrison. What morning, Greg? Good morning. How are you, Carl? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's a bright sky, bright day. The sun's shining, but it's freezing. I don't know how's Manchester. <laughs> Very similar, actually, and it's not raining for once. So we, we've got to um, we've got to embrace it when it's not oh, raining up here. Bonus, a bonus. Um, I wonder if you could just start by introducing yourself and a little bit about your role and your background. Of course, yes. So I'm head of the languages faculty at Burnage Academy, which is a, a secondary school based in South Manchester. Um, there's about 900 pupils. It's an all boys school. Um, we're not in a, in a trust or anything like that. We're sort of a bit of an island to ourselves, um, which is which has its advantages, actually. But my, my personal background, uh, I'm from the northeast originally. Um, I came to Manchester University to do a, a French degree um, and I taught English in France for a little bit. So then coming back to the UK afterwards, I've been in teaching ever since. I've been at Burnage Academy for this is my 11th year. I've been head of head of languages there for this is coming up to my fifth. So I teach French um, and I teach EAL as well. So that area is a responsibility of mine as well. It's also Manchester. It lured you in and that's it. You couldn't leave the magic of Manchester. <laughs> that's it. I, uh, yeah, the weather. Why not say that? Eh? <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, in all seriousness, it's, um, that's my hometown and, and, you know, grew up in Manchester. I've got such great memories there. Um, but I'm, I'm at the south at the moment. But yeah, I do miss it. Okay, well, what about the projects then that you're involved with? I mean, you shared some really exciting uh, and, and interesting projects at the British Council Ambassadors Conference last week. Uh, what, what, what things are you involved with at the moment? Yeah, so a big part of my my remit, and, and one thing that I made really clear from from taking my um, my current role was was trying to use languages not just in the more in a traditional sense of GCSEs in in, in French or, or more traditional languages. But we're really fortunate in Manchester that we've got a hugely diverse city. The city itself has 150 plus languages spoken in it. Our school has over 40. So we've got a really language rich environment in which to work in. And, and from the back of that, I've, I've had contact with Manchester University's uh, research programme called Multilingual Manchester. Um, and we've done little projects in the past about trying to promote language learning and uh, the benefits of multilingualism with some some pupils but we wanted to really embed that on a much bigger scale so we're quite lucky in our school in that we have time and we have space in the curriculum to explore areas outside of a traditional classroom curriculum so as much as 20% of curriculum time per year is devoted to SMSC education so trying to broaden pupils cultural horizons trying to give them a more enriching experience because we see that as being the fundamental element of education, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I'm really lucky that our school will support that. So as part of that, we wanted to, we got in touch with them and they had a research project going with Dr. Jessica Bradley, who was working at the University of Sheffield called Multilingual Streets. And I said, I'd like to get some pupils involved in the university and the researchers were quite surprised when I told them that I wanted just under 200 pupils involved. Evidently, the logistics of that were, were huge. So this project involved a few prep sessions in school. So talking about multilingualism and, and the multilingual Manchester movement, which essentially is, is very similar to some of the work that was presented at the conference going on in Coventry, actually. I just think in Manchester, okay. it's been driven by the universities and, and things rather than by the schools, which is excellent. So essentially, we put this project together whereby... We took all of the pupils up to the university across five different days and we took part in a research project whereby pupils were to explore 
an area of the city called Rushholme, which anyone familiar with Manchester will know what kind of environment it is. Hugely multicultural, lots of diversity in there, lots of restaurants, lots of cafes, lots of shops from people from all over the world. And the people walked around the area taking photographs and drawing out diagrams of any signs that they saw that were not written in English. And then this information was input into an app called LinguaSnap, which the university runs. And what this does is it creates and it builds up a map of the city that you can filter by language. So, for example, uh, at a click of a button, people can look at the app and see where is Arabic written across the city? Where is Hebrew written across the city? Where is Chinese written across wow, the city? Wow. And, and that gives an awful lot of excellent, rich academic research for the universities, but also it gives our pupils a little boost. And, and following that, um, an artist called Louise Atkinson put all of their work together on this huge canvas that now sits in our in our school canteen as a reminder of the project and the aims behind it. So it really was a it involved a lot of different people, um, but all of us with the same aim really of trying to celebrate multilingualism and trying to to promote this idea that having a language is such a skill, no matter what that language is. What, what an inspirational project! I mean. I could just imagine that if you're involved with that, just what a lift it would give you and how how that celebration would be such a positive aspect of school life. I mean, from from, from your side, what, what's the impact been or what, what kind of um, what things have you seen? It's really interesting, actually, because it's it's kind of a I always think of it as a bit of a slow burner. It's something that we don't just suddenly want a day where we go bang, here's all your languages. Isn't it brilliant? And then we move on and we leave it. We kind of want this to be, this was the sort of the big impact of something that we've been working on for a long time. So it's, you know, if pupils are speaking in their own language in the classroom, it's not something that would ever be reprimanded. Um, as, as a linguist, I'll overhear some pupils talking in, say, Italian, and I'll say, oh, teach me that word, what does that mean? And it's just trying to be part of this whole ethos of of celebrating and promoting this idea because more often than not, the pupils don't, don't see this as something that is, that is really it's just the norm to speak two or three languages and for someone like myself who grew up in a completely english-speaking family in the northeast of england didn't you know didn't have a hugely diverse group of friends growing up given at the school that i was in so being able to be surrounded by all this i just think it's fantastic and, and sometimes the pupils don't always appreciate that and they've often got such fantastic combinations of language given the story that uh, of their families or of their own journeys um i'll never forget the people who turn around to me in a GCSE French class once, and he said, "But well, what am I going to do with my languages? I only speak English, Arabic, and Spanish." <laughs> and and this young lad was going to come out with a, a it was the old GCSE, so I think he was going to get a grade A in French. And I was like, "My goodness, what have you got?" But you know, it took me a lot of time and effort to get my French to a level that's perhaps not the same on the same par as any of your languages, and you're 15 years old. So it's just it's part of this trying to increasing awareness and just make the people's self-esteem bigger and tie that to the languages and we have seen that quite a lot you know we 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 try and embed that everything we do and it's something that we hear the people talking in their own languages and being happy to share oh in italian this means this or oh in urdu this means this and that's a real positive thing for us so that sense of cohesion or sense of community seems to be really clear how have you managed the curriculum then and the curriculum time to prioritize that it's it's a challenge i'm not going to lie but i think in from a school perspective it's got to come from the leadership level so it's it's something that we've embedded for a few years so uh, leadership are very strong and supportive on it it does have its challenges in trying to fit that in alongside everything else alongside your exams alongside 
your assessments and, and everything else that comes with a really busy school life. But it's something that we can't underestimate the importance of it. Um, and that's not me just speaking as head of languages. That's that's sort of speaking from a school perspective. Every faculty is doing projects similar to this, but perhaps tied to their own faculty in a way. But we see it as it has such a huge impact on the pupils and it has a lot of benefits for them academically too. We know that the cultural capital of many pupils isn't always as well as perhaps well developed as, as it could be or in comparison to pupils in, in other areas of the country. So we've got to try and bridge that gap. And by giving pupils these enriching cultural experiences, it gives us the best possible chance of doing that. So it's something that, yes, it has its challenges, but I think when you step back and you see the benefits of it, that outweighs those challenges. But it, it, it can only happen, really, if everyone's on the same page. Mm. And I think we're very lucky at our school that, that that's the case. Have you had any other schools interested in, in trying to uh, recreate the model or, or use the resources and implement them at, at their own uh, places? Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, actually, since the conference, and in fact, when we finish today, I'm talking to someone in London about how, how it worked. Um, so there's definitely people who want to replicate it. I think the reason why it worked so well for us was to do with um, the number of different stakeholders involved and how everyone kind of got their own angle on it and how it sort of worked for everyone. So when people have been in touch to ask about it, we've definitely said that's what you need. You need to find partners, which is why it's really exciting about what's going on in Coventry at the minute because it is very similar to what we've done. On a sort of smaller scale, we, we've gone out to primary schools ourselves and, and tried to teach some of these languages at primary schools, so Arabic or Urdu or something to pupils at, at primary schools. And, and it's, again, it's trying to trying not to treat it as a thing. It's almost trying to just make it the norm that this multi, multilingualism is there and, and that it's a skill that everyone has rather than it just being a sudden, oh, here's our token languages and let's move on. So it's definitely something that we hope to keep expanding, but organically if you like rather than with a big push yeah and, and and why do you feel that's so important for this kind of work now apart from the obvious benefits to the pupils i just think at the, at the moment the world's quite fractured isn't it in places and and discussions and debates are often reduced to sort of binary arguments and and what we're trying to do is make the pupils and, and actually not just the pupils their families the wider community any stakeholder involved in these projects the world isn't split into separate communities we are we are intertwined and we do have these brilliant cultural crossovers and we do have these differences that can be explored in interesting ways and, and can enrich our lives so that's definitely where I'm coming from um, and I think that the, my staff team feel that way um, we've just got to explore every opportunity that we can and, and many pupils that we work with like I mentioned earlier they perhaps don't have these same opportunities as normal they maybe don't have that experience of visiting universities and and knowing different pathways so any angle we can explore to benefit young people these days um is needed because quite frankly the, the gaps are getting bigger so we've got to try and do everything that we can as a school um, and as educators to try and bridge these gaps mm. absolutely and what about the pandemic then how did that impact the projects uh, and how did you have to adapt or, or change as you went along um in terms of our like I said, this this idea of us getting the pupils out 20% of the time, that obviously has not been possible. So we've adapted it all to do it in school, but but still keep the ethos there. So, for example, um, when it was Chinese New Year earlier this year, um, we did it all in school um, and we brought things in and we had videos and we had presentations from people and, and we just based it in school. But 
we very much kept the ethos. We still looked at the objectives of the projects that we've been doing in the past. And, and, and we thought, how do we just embed that on a school level? And, and interestingly, that's often come from the pupils. So we can, rather than us present these projects to the pupils, we can say, right, who's got what in their locker kind of thing on a, on a sort of base level? And what languages can we bring here? And what have you got in your culture? And, and trying to get it out that way. So it does bring its challenges. But fortunately, with technology, with, you know, with Zoom and things like that, and, um, and online platforms, we can still do it. But I think as soon as we can, safely, we'll be getting the pupils out again because everyone's been everyone's lost those opportunities recently so we need to try and do what we can to get them back but um yeah the pandemic's obviously thrown up a lot of challenges in other ways that might might perhaps impact on the logistical side of it too so Mm -hmm. we'll have to overcome those but it sounds like the the ethos uh you know it's so strong and it's such a, a driver within the school that uh it's it's really despite the challenges being something that you've been able to sustain and, uh, and maintain. I think that's, that's again, that's really impressive. Absolutely. How, how is the work then connected to global learning and, and internationalism? Well, it's, it's a wide world, isn't it? It's a hugely wide world. And although our pupils may have lived in other countries before or their families may have, have moved to the UK from other countries, there'll be instances where we've got pupils who live in a mile and a half from the city centre, yeah, I've never visited it. So we need to try and make sure that pupils have the biggest perspective that they can. So to link it back to sort of to global globalism, if you like, it's just trying to expand opportunities as much as possible. And I think as well, it's it's there's a need to combat stereotypes on on every side, actually. So we it's our duty, I think, as a school, if we've got these people with these amazing skills, I want to showcase those to people who maybe don't realise that they're there. I, you know, I you know, I'll have people my age or my demographic, let's say, who who won't realise that there's people who can speak five languages by the age of twelve and not think it's a big deal. So we've got to a educate our pupils about the world of opportunities out there. But I think that we've got a, a bit of an obligation, or I see it this way anyway, to, as just a member of society, is to try and make sure that people don't have these stereotypes about young people that they can see the gift that they've got, that they can see the skills that they've got and to try and look outwards rather than inwards. Um, and obviously we're not by, by extension, we're now looking at things like the Turing scheme and trying to get that going and, and seeing if we can get our school sort of global outlook to be a bit broader. I think we've done wonderful work in the city of Manchester um, and within the school. And we now want to kind of try and expand it a bit more, a bit more globally as well, how that, might happen who knows where the journey will take us but that's definitely something we'll look to do but I think for me to bring it all back to to that it is just about trying to break down barriers and trying to to show everyone that that we can't pigeonhole people that Mm. everyone's got these unique skill sets and that's something to be celebrated gosh so challenging stereotypes removing misconceptions and, and giving children a voice in a global way that's that's inspirational stuff uh, just, just in case any any listeners uh, are not uh, or haven't heard about the Turing scheme, uh, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, it's um, it's something that the, the British Council have been sharing with us. It's it's sort of the replacement for some of the the Erasmus scheme that's gone, um, but it's also tying up with school funding as well. So there is funding available for school trips and school projects. We haven't gone through the application process just yet. It's not come up. So in terms of the specifics about application advice and stuff i'm not the one to ask just yet but it's definitely something that we're looking into because let's just hope that the Turing scheme can can go some way to keeping that 
idea of globalism uh, going. And I think that hopefully if the funding can come through for schools such as ours that maybe don't have the opportunity to take pupils abroad, then that can only be a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm interested by the uh, focus on disadvantage as well. Um, re, you know, that that just really kind of pricks my ears up and made me think, ah, oh, okay, you know, I want to discover a little bit more. And um, I know it's early days for, for the scheme, but it, it seems like it's a wonderful opportunity. So, um, you know, yeah, embrace that and, and explore that and find out more. Great. Well, what's next for you then, Greg? And how do people get in touch if they want to find out more? Um, so for us at the minute, it's just trying to carry this on. And if, if anyone does want to get in touch with me, um, I am on I'm on LinkedIn, Greg Morrison, but I'm also on Twitter as well, MFL Morrison. So um, I'm happy to talk to people about that um, if anyone wants to get in touch with me. So for us for now, it's <laughs> enjoy an Easter break for a week or two and then <laughs> it'll be um, back to exams, but back to trying to... to keep sight of what our vision is, which is is not to focus 100% on exams and it is to keep chipping away the kind of thing that, that Multilingual Manchester and Multilingual Streets project involved. So that's that's what's been for us. Actually, I think like with the curriculum, um, what what I one of the things I loved was you you'd been creative with the constraints that exist, you know. And if I go back, you know, year, you know, different Ofsted frameworks, different policies, different education secretaries, I've always had that same stance, you know, which is look, look I, I'll work within the constraints I've got and speak and speak about things in a positive way. Like when community cohesion was in, mm. and and it was Ofsted measured, oh, you know, it was it was fantastic. You had schools all over trying to speak and engage with the kind of word that you're describing yeah. because it was measured and because of, it's you sad, know isn't uh, it, though it shouldn't come down to that it's like no it shouldn't it shouldn't like um, i said it's it's something that i'm i'm lucky and it's one of the reasons why i've been at my place for as long as i have really because obviously we've got a focus on exams and we do you know we've done really well with our exam results and stuff recently and yeah i want the pupils to do as well as possible and i'll always work really hard to do that but that's not my driver behind working with young people you know so well-being is a byproduct of, of yeah. excellence and achieve, achievement but it's also a byproduct of, of feeling that you belong and feeling that you have a voice exactly. so if if that if they are lost along the way then the cost is too great you know that's that's how i see it but if you've got the balance of, the, of, of both which it sounds like is you know the model that you've got which really reminds me actually a lot of singapore yeah. I don't know if you've had, you know if you've been over, but it, it reminds me a lot that focus on cohesion, which is is a lion's share of the curriculum. Mm. You think, well, there's this great sense of achievement and focus on exams, and and, and you know there's different challenges there and cultural context, of course. But but actually, as a curriculum, there's a focus on right how how do we unify, join and represent the people that are contained within the walls because, you know, they want to avoid conflicts and the yeah. negative things that, that get in the way. I know, we're exactly the same. I mean, our schools had its challenges, don't get me wrong. For that reason, you know, we, this is one of the reasons why we put such an emphasis on this because um, mm. it's so important and we just want to get people to feel like they belong in the city and that they belong in, in the country and that they're welcomed mm. here. Mm. So that's part of the, that's probably the driver behind it. Gosh, have you done any of the rights respecting schools? We haven't. Uh, no, we haven't done any work in that area, to be honest. And the UN stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interested because, again, Nova Scotia uh, had the same issue, uh, you know, high kind of levels of immigration and, and fractured communities. Um, and their response as an education district was to look at the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child and put the Rights Respecting Schools program in, giving every child child a voice. Yeah. About 5,000 schools involved right now, but, and it's, you know, it's got a global focus. Um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure all the work that we do anyway, we kind of fit that. So it's not like we'd be reinventing the wheel. So definitely, oh, you'd be st- yeah. straight, straight up there, Greg. Obviously, I'm, I'm conscious I'm taking your time away, <laughs> and you just moved house. Um, I, I really appreciate oh, you finding the time and, and sharing. I loved hearing about the work that you were doing. Uh, obviously, Manchester's close to my heart, and it's, it's just one of my most favourite places in the world. So to hear that you're doing such inspirational work with the children and communities in Manchester. Um, And thanks for taking some time out of your Easter break to share it with our listeners today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. And uh, yeah, it was great to hear the kind of work that's been going on through the the school ambassadors of the British Council. So uh, yeah, thank you very much.